Welcome to the In Plain Sight podcast, a project of City Care, an Oklahoma City-based nonprofit that inspires those willing to look social injustice and extreme poverty in the face and empowers them to do whatever it takes to create change. It is our goal to inspire you to care well for your city by bringing to light stories and issues lost in plain sight, hiding in the margins of our communities. You belong here because each of us has a role to play in the collective well-being of our friends and neighbors. We are activists for the overlooked and we are so glad you're here. Welcome back to In Plain Sight, a City Care podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. Today's episode is going to be different than one we've done before, and I hope you enjoy it. We just wrapped up the Odyssey Project, which is an annual event hosted by City Care that centers around showing a short film uh, depicting a story of an issue hidden in plain sight in our city. I first want to say thank you so much to Dave Morris. He shot edited and produced this spectacular film. And what I've done is I've pulled the audio out, but I hope that you will take the time to connect faces with the voices you'll hear today by watching the film in its entirety at citycareokc.org slash The Odyssey Project. Now, since you can't see them, I do wanna set the story up just a bit for you. The first voice you'll hear is Amy Newberry. She should be familiar to you as she's been a guest on our show and she's gonna guide the storytelling and conversation with our mother-daughter duo that are the star of our story. Their bravery and resilience is going to shine bright, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. First, you'll meet Misty. Misty is a waitress, a manager, and a mother to her daughter, Jayla. This story will challenge your notions about what poverty looks like, why it occurs, what you can do, and why you should. This is the last you'll hear from me on this episode because as this story wraps up, I want you to sit with it, consider the power of home, and also what your role is in helping those hidden in plain sight feel seen. Listen in. Desiring for others that which you desire for yourself. When you meet somebody that is in trouble, like you just, you feel it with every fiber in your being that like this is your neighbor, this is a friend of your friends, and um, they need help and you just feel so overwhelmed by their needs. What would I want to happen if it was me? And then desiring for them that which I actually desire for myself, which is to have access to safe housing. It has been really rough. Um, There's a lot of struggle to deal with um, being on your own and people don't realize it, especially when you don't have a lot of family to help. Um, You are on your own when you're trying to get your child to doctor's appointments, trying to feed your child, trying to house your child, you know, not having a vehicle, um, no support at all, you know, when it comes to anything, holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, diapers, um, 
just anything, babysitters, um, daycare, working, trying to provide, trying to pay the bills. You know, it, it's very hard. It's just been the two of you, right? Yeah. So what has that been like? Just you and your mom against the world, huh? Yeah. It's been difficult, but it's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. And you've all, she's always taking care of you, right? Mm-hmm, getting me, making sure I have what I need. What are some of the, the places that you've worked at uh, that have, have provided an income for you and to support Jayla? I have had to be a stripper, of course, um, for a while. Um, bartending, after dancing, um, I didn't want my daughter to look up to me in that kind of light, you know, and I didn't want her to follow in the footsteps because that's what my mom did. And it, it did help provide, you know, um, for a while, but then whenever I turned 21, I started bartending. And I enjoyed that more. Um, I had more respect for myself and I knew my daughter would have more respect for me also. Have you always had a place to live? Um, I mean, we've always had a place to stay at. How many places have you and Jayla lived? Wow. <laughs> uh, we've went to Rockwell Villa, mm -hmm. Oak Grove. I actually stayed in Oak Grove for five years. We, we actually was able to um, afford a house when I got back child support from her father, and that only went on for eight months, and then I had to move back to housing, which was Nottingham. Not a very good location to live in. Um, we dealt with a lot of things, a lot of fights. Um, my, it really messed with my daughter's mentality. You know, it depressed her. I tried so hard to get out of that, and it was difficult, and ultimately I had made a decision that changed my life forever, trying to afford to get into a nice house. any sort of like circumstance that arises, like a car breaking down or um, a medical uh, need comes up and, and in most circumstances, like when we have support and support systems or emergency funds, those things don't just take us out for the count. But in circumstances with single parenting or low income families, anything like that takes them out for the count. And we didn't live in that house for two months before I caught my case. Yeah. And then we was homeless for a while and I had to stay with my dad mm -hmm. on his couch. Jayla stayed on the other couch. I was scared for my situation and going to prison. Mm -hmm. I sent her to Texas. Mm -hmm. It was hard for us to be apart. Um, so I brought her back here. We stayed at my dad's a little longer, moved in with my brother and his wife. And I did everything I could. I worked. I, I just couldn't afford rent in any type of place for us to live. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I cried, how many, uh, you know, how stressful it was for my daughter to want us to have our own living place and not be in somebody else's rules. Where is the least favorite housing complex that you've lived at? The least favorite? In a place that no one would think it would be in more Oklahoma. Okay. And it was hard, why? The people that live there, it's like the manager, you know, housing 
and subsidized housing, say they have these set rules when you sign a lease saying that, you know, you can only have the police called to your residence so many times, well, it seemed like they didn't care. You know, people were breaking into people's houses. I was robbed at gunpoint. Yeah. And they stuck a gun to my daughter. I was asleep and um, I heard the knocking at the door and I didn't think twice about it. I opened the door. I thought it was the church people as always. All of a sudden there's, there's a gun to my stomach and he's got his foot in my door. I didn't know the guy. And um, he pushed me back into the house with the gun at my stomach and then pointed the gun at my daughter and told her to go to her room. Mm -hmm. And then he made me, um, which any money, anything I had in the house I gave to him. And then he made me get on the ground and went through my whole house mm -hmm. and took what he wanted, you know. And then left. Yeah. When we talk about the different housing places you've lived at, um, there is this sense of anxiety around the, the housing projects because of crime and, you know, the robbery that you and, and Jayla went through. Because of that, what and I'd say it's been two and a half years, anytime there's a knock, on the front door of anywhere we stay because of that, my daughter runs. Mm. My daughter feels completely unsafe because of that. Yeah. What do, you, what do you want to say about that? Like, what were you feeling when we were having those conversations about where you would go and who you would stay with? Sad. I mean, when she first, when I first found out, she, when she was doing those trips and stuff, yeah. um, I told her I didn't want her to do them anymore. Um, but she got mad because it was the way of paying the bills. And so with the felony conviction comes limitations. Yes. Um, what are some of those limitations that you've, you're experiencing, have experienced and are experiencing? As a felon, um, not a lot of jobs want you. A lot of people judge you because of, you know, the, the felony thinking that you're just a bad person because you did something that the law didn't like. It prevents you from getting certain housing. Um, when you're going into subsidized apartments, you cannot be a felon and live there. And so your option is staying with other people, you know, um, and their rules and having to get kicked out and move from place to place. So you go file for Section 8 and you're working, you're doing what the system wants you to because probation, you know, you have to have a job yeah. and you're doing it. So Section 8, you go in there and they want to charge you so much for rent, you mm -hmm. know. I went and I got my Section 8 voucher and I'm like, I can't afford this. I have other bills to pay. I make $8 an hour, yeah. you know, um, and I have to make a car payment so I can have a ride back and forth to work, get my daughter to doctor's appointments, counseling appointments, my own doctor's appointments. Probation Pro, officer. Yeah, probation officer doing my drug tests that I've been doing for two years, you know. Yeah. Which we need to talk about that. You're yeah. two years. Yeah, so, and it feels great. Yes. Yeah, it feels yeah. great. I'm very proud of myself for yeah. that. Yeah. Which that's a game changer for you. Yes. It's been a big my, game changer for My you. life has completely changed and, and that's what I mean when I say that the house and the charges that I caught to get into my house, trying to provide a better life ultimately changed me mentally, mm -hmm. made me a much stronger person. Yeah. And I believe everything happens for a reason. I feel like we all were relieved that your mom was able to settle for probation and um, come home to, to Miss Jayla. Yes, it made me very happy. And 
every night I would cry with my uncle and my aunt Callie. Yeah. Um, just missing her, just yeah. wanting to see her. And she missed Halloween. We was gonna be goddesses together. Oh yeah. She told me to wear her crown for her. Yeah, I remember that. You went trick-or-treating without her that year, huh? Yeah. What kind of help has come your way? A lot of help, um, you know, immediately getting out, you know, uh, staying with my dad and my brother. Um, the little bit of food stamps I had didn't, didn't uh, help all the way, so sorry. Uh, okay. We lost everything um, whenever I got out of jail. Um, I, everybody had to pack up everything in my house and everything went totally different ways. Some people took what they wanted and um, so we had pretty much nothing. Mm -hmm. We had a tote that we kept in my dad's kitchen while we stayed on a couch and um, she didn't have the, you know, all the clothes that she needed. Uh, she needed 90s, she needed... Um, school clothes. School clothes and things like that. And so Tonda was able to provide from the tapestry to bring us um, a Walmart card um, and, and help out so I could go get her clothes. And, and her and her husband and her, they brought us some food and they held our hands and prayed with us yeah. about my situation. Yeah, and, and that means so much to me because there was no judgment from anybody in a situation that, that reached out to help us and provided what we needed. What makes your mom beautiful? Well, she's really strong and she's yeah. really nice and she just always been there for me and she's so pretty. Like every day she just wakes up and she looks so pretty. Yeah. I don't know how to say it. She's just like yeah. so kind. That's you're gonna make me cry. Why are we sitting here? What is it about this place? This is Dumas Church. Dumas this, Avenue. Dumas <laughs> Avenue. And this place has hosted so many toy stores for parents and families that it's hard for them to provide Christmas. What is it like at your house on Christmas morning? It's so fun <laughs> and exciting. Like, I freak out because I wake my mom up early. Oh, yeah. And I will wake up and I'm just like, oh my God, it's Christmas. And so I'll go and I open the presents and she takes pictures yeah. and it's real fun. Is there usually something under the tree that you've asked for? Yes. Yeah. So that, that really made her happy, especially with everything that we was going through yeah. and that we've been going through. Yeah. You know, those, those joyous moments that put a smile on my daughter's face that mean more to me than anything in this world. When you get to a place where just surviving, uh, just having your basic needs met, um, having a safe place to live and also a safe place to raise your family um, becomes so adverse that it's like a literal daily struggle. Um, you do have the onset of mental health uh, concerns like depression, anxiety, and um, at-risk responses from trauma. But as a society as a whole, uh, we end up placating those words a little bit. And so we, we generalize, oh yes, mental health issue, oh yes, depression, oh yes, anxiety. Um, and even now, even though our, 
you know, as a culture, we're more trauma informed. It's still, we still don't understand what that exactly means for a five-year-old or a seven-year-old or a 17-year-old or a parent. And then something like depression hits mm -hmm. and it makes a hard situation too hard. It really does. I can't tell you how many times I really wanted to give up. Mm -hmm. um, especially being a single mom, I, I didn't know how to be a mom. My mom wasn't around. So having my daughter, I just knew I had this child inside of me. And then when she was in my arms, this child that I had that I wanted to provide the best life and for her to not go through and see the things that I had to see, feel the things that I had to feel. And it puts so much more pressure on me, you know. I was already depressed as a child, you know, not having that mother figure and the things that I went through. So becoming a mother made it very hard and then trying to hide it from your child at the same time. Yeah. You know, you always want them to think that everything is good and, and everything is happy. You know, you don't want your children to feel that. You know, everything is puppy dogs and rainbows, but unfortunately they still feel what you feel and they see what you see. Yeah. So depression for me is still there. And even though I feel the proud moment of overcoming what I've came through, um, it's still an everyday struggle. Most of the time when I get a call from a parent that is looking for a mental health professional to work with them and their child, um, they're in desperate situations and the stigmatization is like uh, mental health is just something that you do on the back end of surviving, but really that intervention piece is huge. Maybe they're even in mental health crises, which means that their situation has elevated from a mild case of, hey, I might need to talk to somebody to we're in severe you know, mode here and we need someone to help us. This year, I, I know personally and professionally, you really, taken care of your mental health and you guys have stayed in counseling and a lot of other mental health services that you honestly just didn't have access to years prior but have really like focused on this year how do you feel like that has helped you guys both of you guys in actually. a very amazing way um and i'm i'm more focused on jayla um, I know I've, I've gained the strength and everything, but I think I've, that I've spent too much time trying to focus on myself being a better mother as to what my daughter is going through. I feel like we're, we're turning the tide here and we're prioritizing the fact that mental health is one of the um, major pieces towards this intervention process. And it's really important for people to have a very good and skilled counselor. Not just like, oh, let's sit down and have talk therapy. Well, that's great, like, it's nice to talk to somebody, but actually somebody who can provide that intervention access, uh, which is a huge piece to it. Tell me a little bit about accessing the Department of Human Services, and particularly maybe before, um, it all streamlined online, what it was like to have to, to get to a DHS office. So when my daughter was um, a baby, I didn't have any family help. I had to go to the office, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I had to put my daughter in a stroller, bundle her up, of course, it's the middle of winter, oh, and the snowfall was outrageous, the ice was outrageous on the roads. But you had an appointment yeah. that you had to make. Yes. How long of a walk was that? 
Um, it took me probably about 30 minutes to get there. I can't say mileage, oh, yeah. but, <laughs> but it, it uh, took me about 30 minutes to get there. And how there. long did you wait to see your casework? Hours. Yeah. With a baby. With many people in the waiting room. Yeah. Um, it, it just really sucked. And then, you know, whenever you get back there and you talk to the worker, they need so much proof of everything and things that you don't have on hand or you don't have a ride to get those things, you know? It's right. it's hard to provide everything for that. But and you have to have the food program and you have yes. to have WIC and all of those things yes. because that's how you feed your child, right? Right. Yeah. One of the major things that I have seen Misty and Jayla overcome um, in mental health has been just Jayla learning to verbalize her feelings um, a lot better, which you guys know how amazing she is. One of the triumphs that happened in this space was that she learned how to um, reduce her anxiety, just the fear of some of the complexes that they've lived in, and especially after the robbery. Those are, those are very traumatic things. So when we say trauma, like this is what we mean, is kids who have been in hard places, okay, very hard places. What do you think our city actually needs when it comes to housing, uh, especially for moms who are raising kids on their own? More focus on moms that are raising kids on their own um, in a safe environment, okay. um, a happy, safe environment, yeah. because it's not just about us adults which the place we live in has a lot to do with our mentality and the depression. And you know, when people go back to things that they've gotten in trouble for before, um, doing drugs or selling drugs, you know, they do it because it's an easier way out and it, it gets so hard, you know. So whenever you have help with housing and, and you know you have people out there to help you, then it, it makes a better situation for us, for our kids. Where does she get her strength? Like, what makes your mom so strong? What do you think makes her strong? Me. You do. <laughs> oh, that's the best. That's right. I could. That is the best answer. You're she, right. Yeah. She tells me all the time, like, I'm what makes her happy, and without me, she'd just not be happy. Yeah. I have always been told you are such a strong mom. You are. By a you, mom. by Tonda, by my dad, by people I've worked with. Yeah. My dad brags so much about me and it makes me feel so good. Good. I'm it, so glad. It brings like, you know, joy and happiness to my life yeah. because that's my main goal in life. I think they say something along the lines of they are each other's ride or die. I don't know what that means, but I think it means like something very important to them. So, <laughs> the end. <laughs>